Today on the NZ Everyday Investor, I'm chatting to mortgage advisor Alex Matheson. He specializes in helping first-timers get across the line with the bank and ultimately get across the line in their first home. Now, purchasing a home is an awesome thing to do. It's a home to live in, but it's also a platform that can really grow wealth for you over time. Now, stating this can trigger a whole range of emotions in you if you're listening to this and you're in the market or you're out of the market. It's not fair. It's out of reach. Why does everyone have so much money and I don't? These are all really valid thoughts and ideas for further discussion. But today we're focusing in on how to make the journey into home ownership successful, especially when funding from the bank is required. In New Zealand, it's arguably been the year of the first home buyer. Well, maybe it's been just the winter of the first home buyer in reality, or perhaps even just August, if I'm honest. First home buyers are out there in thousands and they're venturing out into the wild world of open homes in the hopes of ticking the job of buying a home off the to-do list this year. Initially, perhaps inspired by talk of a crashing housing market by the usual suspects and then the appearance of the ultra low interest rates, tunes of bargain hunting delight quickly turned into howls of mourning. Money's cheap, but the rules that the banks are applying at the moment are actually kind of tough. And so this, combined with everyone else who thought it was a good idea to purchase property also, kind of made the year of the first home buyer really just a month or two long. So yep, it's a good time to talk about buying property, but unfortunately it's possibly also one of the toughest things to pull off right now. Now while we can't change much of that and much of the environment that we find ourselves in this year, we can influence some things. So in today's show, I hope that this discussion can assist you with increasing your chances of success with the bank first, which in the end means that you're more likely to have success in purchasing a home also. Today, Alex and I are having a casual chat around some of the mistakes and pitfalls that home buyers make when completing finance applications, be it with the bank directly or even through a mortgage advisor. Now, this is a two-part series. Make sure that you are subscribed to the show and that you actually catch next week's show also. I'll share some further thoughts around some traps around home buying at the end of the show. But for now, let's make a start. You are listening into the NZ Everyday Investor Podcast. This podcast is designed to help you, the everyday Kiwi, build wealth. We talk about a lot of things in this podcast, including property, shares, gold, managed funds, and Bitcoin. More importantly, we come from a New Zealand perspective and attempt to make a tricky and complicated subject matter a little bit easier to understand. I'm Darcy Angaro, your host and authorized financial advisor. Hopefully, the content presented here gets you thinking about the tools available to build wealth and the ways that you can use them effectively. Please keep in mind that this isn't financial advice. Investments or strategies that are discussed today may not be suitable for everyone, so be sure to do your own research before acting on anything. Further information on today's show can be found by tapping or swiping over the cover art in your podcast player. Here you'll find some show notes, which will contain all relevant links related to today's topic. The NZ Everyday Investor Podcast is hosted on the podcast.nz network and is brought to you in partnership with Hatch, who lets you put your money to work in U.S. share markets. Hope you enjoy this episode. Let's make a start. So let's just get stuck straight into some of these common pitfalls, which we probably see all the time. For most of us, if we're buying a home, we're going to need the help of a bank. So what are some of the most common pitfalls uh, when, when deciding how we approach the bank? Because there's not just one option, is there? No, no, there's not. So um, 
if you are applying for your home loan, uh, you can go um, direct to the bank, or you can actually engage a uh, financial advisor that yeah. works with most, almost all of the banks, hopefully. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we work with all the banks to keep them all yeah. honest. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, look, thinking about those different ones, if you were to approach the bank directly, yeah. right? Like, what are the pros and cons? Well, the the pros would be you're you're getting the answer direct from the horse's mouth. Yep. Um, people that have the cash, they yeah. Those with the gold make the rules, so yeah. you're, you're dealing directly with them. You know where you stand. Um, but you just know one option, don't you? That's yeah, uh, probably exactly. the biggest disadvantage, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, they're not going to tell you what the other banks are offering. Uh, you may get a decline at one bank and possibly um, give yeah. up um, then and there and not actually walk into the next bank. Yeah. Um, where the advisor is going to actually let you know yeah. um, that there is another option. They're also going to explore, I guess, all options for you. Um, where the bank may just say, nope, doesn't work, sorry, um, come back in a year when you've saved more of a deposit. Sometimes we see as well the bank going direct you may not um, necessarily get the right advice um, and that's often because they're not necessarily able to give um, specific advice anymore yeah personalized financial advice correct Um, so how important is it that you have a good track record when you're presenting to a bank or via your mortgage advisor how important is it to think about things like how you're dressed and how your accounts (laughs) look and all that sort of stuff yeah yeah so um we're not too worried, I guess, about um, what you're wearing, um, yeah. whether you're in a suit or in your um, Just don't wear Crocs, clothes. right? Yeah, yeah, you I can't wear Crocs, no Crocs, make sure you're wearing underwear. <laughs> yep. Everything else, don't worry don't about Don't worry it. about shaving. Like, yeah. you can see me, I've, yeah. I've got a full beard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not normally in a suit and stuff as well, so but yeah. don't worry about that stuff. Um, but yeah, no, it is really important when we're presenting an application to the bank that everything is in order um, with your account, um, that we do give the bank all of the information, um, I guess, in a timely fashion as well. We can't, we don't want to be drip feeding them. Um, right. right. So yeah. like, 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 like coming to the party fully prepared, fully prepared rather than with just little bits of information. I'm still waiting on these yeah, bank like statements or half, whatever. Half a pay slip or something. Right. And you're going, well, where's the rest of it? We, we need a few more documents. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. So we want to see right. um, it all at the same time um, so that we can present the application in its best light because mm. um, we our, our goal as mortgage advisors is to get approvals not declines mm. um, but we would definitely let you know if we didn't think it would work because mm. then naturally there's no point putting the application in yeah and that's a good point actually isn't it now that you mentioned that Alex yeah. is that if you were keen to get an initial response like right away yeah um, and sometimes the banks might take two or three days to come back yeah sometimes they make two they might take two to three weeks to come back, yeah, yeah. Um, especially at the moment. And so getting um, an initial idea by talking to a mortgage advisor can actually kind of either kill your dream right away or inspire you right away yep. so that you you think, all right, I do actually have a chance. Yep. Start getting a bit more organized. Um, yeah. You, you, you do sort out the... Um the overdraft or the unarranged overdraft, you now yeah. you contact the bank and make it an, an arranged overdraft, which is much better. Whether well, that's when you you actually have a facility to draw yeah. down onto, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, so you're not getting charged any additional fees. Yes, um, because yeah. the more I guess yeah the the worse your accounts look, um, the harder it is going to be to get it over the line, especially if you don't have the um, twenty percent right. deposit. We want we want the accounts to look clean, tidy. Yeah. Um, your expenses, we definitely want to sort those out as well if they're all over the place. Um, we often see additional things in there, subscriptions, um, right. pay TV things, Neon, right. Netflix. Yeah. And if we can remove some of those things prior to presenting the application, yes, 
the budget's going to look better, more likely to get an approval. Okay. So when we're talking about accounts, we're talking about bank accounts, and that might be things like your, your credit card statements. It might be your transactional Correct. bank statements. Yeah. It might be the account that uh, pays for your existing mortgage if you have one, right? Yeah. And if you've missed a mortgage payment, that's almost like the unforgivable sin, right? Uh, yeah, correct. So what what like what happens when 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 the bank sees that? What, what's the first thing they say? Oh, almost they're probably thinking, is this person good for the loan that we're requesting? Why yeah. are they missing that payment? Um, how much payments have they missed? They might, they're possibly going to very likely going to look further back into the accounts. They want to see what the history's like. Right. And if they start seeing a repeat sort of offender, <laughs> yeah. um, breaking the, the, the laws of the bank, yeah. Um, yeah. then yeah, they may they very likely will say, no, we're not going to do this. Yeah. Um, we've had it before where a client, clients have great serviceability, really good income mm. um, to service the loan that we're requesting, mm. but their account conduct is all over the place, dishonours, late, right. not making their um, mortgage repayments, not right. meeting their, I guess, their obligations. Right. And um, the, their existing bank has come back and said, no, we've had enough of um, yeah. Darcy. We no That's longer right. want him as a That's customer. Right. So we've yeah. had to present his deal to a, um, another bank. Yeah. That, that, not, and not that Darcy, happens. Fine. No, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Just to be clear. Yeah, yeah. So, but it's interesting because it's like um, it, it, everything we do kind of creates a bit of an imprint, right? Yeah. And you can almost reverse engineer or create a mold of someone's character by looking at the imprint they leave behind Definitely. on their bank statements. Yeah. Like you, you look at someone's bank statements and you can tell things like whether they're, they are a problem gambler by, yeah. you know, are there a lot of cash withdrawals near near Sky City? Yeah. Um, that's actually what the banks will be looking for as well. Yeah, what is this? And how frequent is it? How much? Yeah. Yeah, if it is close to the casino or liquor as well. Like. Yeah, that's right. We're going to have to factor in all these additional yeah. things. And some things they can officially say, yeah. hey, yeah. we've declined on this basis. Other times, it's I guess it's more of a, a picture that's being painted. Who you are as, yeah. a, as a customer. Character. Yeah. And so that's the thing. I think it's um, you know, collateral, yep. character, and capacity. Those, those are the biggies, right? Definitely. And if, if we're falling down on those things, it's really hard to offset that by having something good. You might have really awesome income, but if you can't handle your bank accounts yep. and pay your bills on time, and we'll explain it as best possible to the assessor, to the bank, yeah. um, who you are, and yeah. that basically you're good for it. But yeah, yeah, the um, the story is on the bank statements. Yeah, when borrowers are filling in an application form, what what are some of the actual common sort of pitfalls and mistakes that people actually make when they're actually on the form, whether it's an online form with the bank, or they're sitting in front of the bank, or they're talking to a mortgage advisor? What are some of the common mistakes people make when they're filling in the actual application form itself? Yeah. Um, but yeah, on the assets and liabilities, so the um, statement of position, we sometimes will see people um, forgetting about maybe a credit card um, mm. that they're not they may not necessarily be using. So um, they'll think that it's not important to actually put on the application. But um, yeah, the banks are going to be looking at that credit card. They yes. do do the credit check. And the credit check will actually show. It will show the credit card. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, it will show the limit. And we have to factor that in because they're going to assess the actual deal on normally three to four percent of the actual credit card limit itself. That's important. So, so that um, let's say it's a ten thousand dollar limit, then each month the bank will assume if it's say three percent each yep. each month the bank will assume that you're spending three hundred dollars a month on expenses. Yep. Because they don't they don't care about your balance. They don't care that you never use it. They yep. just look at that limit, don't they? Yeah, you've got the capacity, I guess, to go and use it, mm. um, and then. Yeah, if you do, 
you now need to pay that yeah. back. It's going to affect your servicing of the of the new home loan. Well, other things we see, Darcy, is um, not just on the assets, liabilities, the expenses. Um, people tend to over budget. So you know what I mean when I yeah yeah just explain explain that for our listeners though. So when you say over budget or over over disclose what they actually spend money Correct. on. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So like we may look through the bank statements and it may be quite a bit less that you're spending on food, but each yeah. each week you may allocate maybe two hundred bucks a week for food and groceries, yeah. um, alcohol, etc. Yeah. And um, yeah, when we look through the and we, when we average out the actual food expense, it may actually be closer to maybe 120 bucks a week. Right. Um, right. The bank is going to rely on what we put on the application, and if you put if you put 200 bucks down, yeah. then they are possibly going to rely yeah, on yeah. it. Which is interesting, right? Because yeah. it's it kind of makes sense because of, of course they're going to take take your word at face value. Yeah, what if, have you declared? Yeah, if you if you say that you spend um, three thousand dollars a month on food and entertainment and clothing and stuff like that, then that's what they're going to use. And so if you get an answer back from them saying, actually, you can only borrow. Yeah, sorry, um, your, your current outgoings are too high. Um, yeah. We'll see continued rent sometimes. Right. And, and we'll often have to remove that from the application. Right. Uh, oh, so you're saying someone put down the rent that they currently pay. But yes. Yeah, so, yeah. That, so almost that, that expense that they're filling in needs to be the expense at time of moving into the new home, correct? Correct, yeah. Right. So some, some of the expenses, I guess, are, they're going to continue. Yeah. Um, with once you transition to the new property yeah. um, but other ones are going to stop so the expenses are more they are your proposed expenses yes um, going forward now i'd like to pause here and thank a couple of partners to the nz everyday investor the first of which is hatch hatch makes it easier to get your money to work for you in share markets I've been using Hatch to gain access to the US share markets in particular for a while now, and I'm blown away by how affordable and how easy it is to invest in whole or fractional shares. They even have a handy auto-invest option, which is perfect for spreading your investment in the company out over time. And Hatch has also given us a special offer just for you. They'll give you a $20 top-up when you make an initial deposit into a brand new Hatch account of $100 or more. Just go to hatch.as forward slash NZ Everyday Investor to grab your top-up now. We've also added this link to the show notes, which you can find by tapping or swiping over the cover art in your podcast player. So if you needed some extra motivation to make a start, there you go. And thanks again, Hatch. Next, I'd like to acknowledge Kura Wealth. Almost everyone should be enrolled in KiwiSaver, but how do you choose the right type of fund, let alone the provider? Most people fixate on just fees or historical returns when trying to choose a KiwiSaver fund. But professionals know there's a third, arguably more essential component to consider, and that's this thing called asset allocation. Kura's digital advice tools will build you a KiwiSaver portfolio that has the perfect asset allocation just for you. Get a bespoke fund or even choose one of their off-the-shelf funds. Either way, they have you covered. In the show notes again, you're going to see a link to Kura. Give them a try to see what your ideal KiwiSaver asset allocation looks like for you. If you have a track record for spending a lot of money in a certain area, it's possibly not going to stop right away. No. The issue of generous people, um, the issue of people who, who do regular donations. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. That's a really good example, I guess, of people yeah. who have consistently over years have been giving money to other people. Yes. And then they go to apply for a mortgage, um, only to find that that bank now looks at that donation as almost like an expense that, that, that they can't stop. That it's going to continue. Um, yeah. You know, that definitely comes up um, yeah. quite a bit. Um, 
we'll always have a conversation around that yeah. um, and whether or not it is likely going to continue. Yeah. Um, if it is, then yeah, then we yeah. definitely have to we have to put it down. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing, right? Like you're you're probably a generous person, right? Yeah. And you and you yeah. have been for years. So yeah. understandably, the bank is probably looking at this, thinking, well, if they've been giving say ten percent of their income away for fifteen years, yeah, they're not really going to stop, no. right? And yeah. so I guess I can kind of I see it from their perspective that it is almost like a fixed expense that yeah. they have to factor in. But then again, usually that person is giving out of their surplus or out of their own free will. So yeah, they've got this, they've got the capacity now, um, I guess, yeah. to do that. But yeah. maybe once they have the um, home loan, mm. um, it's something that we always recommend as well: um, reviewing the budget now and then reviewing it afterwards. Okay. Once you've settled, to sort mm. of just readjust things and factor in the actual mortgage payments. Yeah. So we're sort of doing two budgets at the same time. Yeah. Um, to say, well, what what can you continue, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and possibly do the um, the needs and wants list? Well, I need to continue this. Well, okay, well, that's that's going to continue. Correct. Where the want, you may be able to actually, I guess, take it out of the actual um, yeah outgoings going forward. Now, now some of the clients that you would deal with, some of the clients that I would deal with, would be self-employed. They yeah, they don't yeah. have P A Y E income. Yep. Like a normal person, yep. they're these strange self-employed people who. Surprisingly, there's quite a few of them actually out yeah, there as well. There is, there <laughs> yeah. is, and that that's a, that's a a problem to someone who's trying to understand them using a a rule-based framework. So when a, when a bank is looking at an application, yep. they're trying to apply a, a a standard set of rules, but they have a diverse set of people that they have to apply those rules to. So Correct. when we have self-employed applicants that you're working with. Um, how does it like? What are some of the common pitfalls that these self-employed applicants have? Not enough history um, of the self-employed income. So sometimes it may be that you've just recently gone self-employed. Um, you may be earning um, what you consider to be a great amount, yeah. but we don't have enough history. Um, and the banks normally want at least two years for self-employed income yeah. um, because then they can see what your current, what what your turnover is, what your expenses are. They get a bit of an idea of how much you're actually earning yeah. and what you're paying, what you're truly paying tax on. Right. Um, so then they can rely on that income yes. from a servicing point of view. Got it. So okay. yeah, that, that comes up quite a bit with um, yeah. self-employed income. Yeah. yeah. What kind of what kind of documentation would confirm the income for like a self-employed so, builder? Yeah, we'd normally need the um, financial set of accounts prepared by their accountant. Good. Showing everything. Yeah. Not just the profit and loss. Um, Every now and then we get that's a common one. We yeah. just get um, half of the actual accounts yeah. or a page. Yeah. Um, no, we want we want the whole the whole um, the whole 13, thing. 14, 15 pages. Ideally, there's <laughs> a signature on it. There's a date, and that's the that's the common thing, right? Like I, I, when I, when I talk to accountants, that's often the hardest part of their role is to get these phone calls from their clients saying. I've just spoken to my bank or my mortgage advisor, and they've told me I need to get my set of accounts for 2020. It's not done yet. Actually, you haven't done 2019 either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that that can be quite heartbreaking as well, especially if, if you're the one, you're that self-employed um, square person trying to jam yourself into the into the round hole of the banking world. <laughs> yep. You're the one that's stuffing it up for everybody else. Your partner, yeah. who's this nice, lovely school teacher, now you can't buy this home because yeah. you, your accounts aren't up to date. Yeah, so it's definitely it's really important. Um, Make sure, yeah, if you're self-employed, stay on top of um, getting your accounts done. Don't yeah. delay it. I often joke with people, you know, those those with the gold, they make the rules, right? So yeah. it doesn't matter whether you think it's fair or not. 
because there's always this kind of default that, well, that's not fair. Yep. Yeah. It actually doesn't matter if it's fair or not. It's and if you have kids, you've probably said that quite a few times with them. It's yep. like, it doesn't really matter if it's if it's fair or not. It's just what the rules are. Yeah, these, and we have to live by them. Yeah, we have to live by it. But at the same time, there is a, a degree of, or a flavor, maybe it's a growing flavor, I don't know, of being responsible or being prudent or doing what's yeah. right by people, which sometimes means saying no, which is hard. Yeah. But it's, yeah. well, a, a common question I get back from um, customers is, what are the repayments? Um, often, what is the rate, which is sometimes yeah. too early to discuss. Yeah. yeah. But... Um, yeah. Repayments, that's a big one that people um, okay. seem to ask. Like, well, tell, tell me about that, because obviously there's a big difference between eligibility and affordability. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're talking to somebody for the first time, what um, what is the most important thing? Like, I would assume it would be affordability, right? Because if, if they can't afford it, let's not even go any further, yeah, yeah. right? Like, let's, yeah, affordability is massive. Um, you've, got to, you've got to be able to afford the loan um, as it currently stands, but you also should, and the banks will stress test the deal they'll be looking at um what it looks like on a potentially on a higher rate i always even when we're doing the actual repayment guide um i will often put a higher rate in and say well this is not necessarily the rate you're going to be on but let's just see what the repayments are are you comfortable with those repayments yeah that's good and yeah if if you are then as long as i know that that i'm able to get you the approval yeah well don't worry about those repayments because very likely we will be getting you a cheaper rate. And I guess this is where you see a trap of some some home buyers will use ultra conservative variables yes. to, to model things, and yeah. some will be quite liberal with their with their modeling. Yeah. So they might use say seven percent. Yeah. Um, because the parents told them it was twenty two percent back in nineteen eighty eight, so they got to use this really high rate. <laughs> yeah. But that that mean that really distorts everything, and it could potentially cause somebody not to move forward with the transaction because. They they've modeled they've used a way too conservative and unrealistic variable. Yeah, and they continue to sit on the fence yeah. while friends, other people are buying. And meanwhile, prices. it just keeps on going up. Yeah, and on yeah. the other side, it's like, well, it could be too cheap as well, and then you're really setting up yourself for failure too, because yeah. now what happens if one of you goes on one income for a, for a season of time and interest rates do go up a little bit? Could you actually? Yeah, yep. So we play around with that often. Um, yeah. If it's a young couple, have no kids, we'll say, well. Hypothetically, what happens if, um, or are you even planning? We ask a lot of questions in our fact yeah. find. Yeah. Um, are you planning to start a family? Are you planning yeah. on changing careers? Um, yeah. Anything that will affect your um, servicing, like your income, yeah. then um, yeah, we want to sort of understand how it's going to affect um, you and the loan. Because at the end of the day, yeah. um, when we're not the bank, um, we're here to give you advice, I guess, on the um, on the home loan. And, and to look after you. Where this is where it, it really becomes quite evident what what an advisor does versus what the the bank would be doing. Yeah, correct. because you're, and I, I, it would be quite rich for me to suggest that we're free from conflicts of interest because yeah. we're not doing this as a charitable no, no, you know, activity not. here. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're doing it because we'll we'll get a fee from the the lender yeah. to do this, and so that's kind of our financial motivation to do it. But it doesn't cost us anything. And it's quite useful to actually provide proper, qualified, personalized financial advice, which factors in whether or not you're having kids or whether there's a job change or any other significant event that you see. And I think that's far more important than just getting a transaction approved, getting a good deal uh, deal on the interest rate and moving on, right? Yeah, like you said at the beginning, um, 
you may yeah, you may walk in, you may get the loan approved. That's part of the piece of the puzzle. Yeah. But um, yeah, you won't necessarily get everything. Um, yeah. It could be that um, you've got the low deposit. Um, not necessarily explaining that there's possibly going to be um, a slightly a low equity margin, a, a higher interest rate actually applied to the home loan. Right. Um, these are things that we will discuss. Um, yes. But we'll also explore whether or not there is additional deposit yes. um, from from parents. Yeah. Um, and that could be by way of yeah. a few different things. Well, let's talk um, about that. Yeah. Let's talk okay, about yeah, that, yeah. Alex. So let's say I am a, a home buyer for the first time and I've been trying my very best to save for a deposit. I've been using my yeah, KiwiSaver. And it's saver. hard right now. It is hard. It's um, really hard because I can't even save. I can't even – my 20% that I'm trying to get to yep. isn't even keeping up with the property market inflation, right? Exactly. Yeah, and then you look around. You get to the point where you've got the 20%. But the twenty percent is now only going to get you a five hundred thousand dollars. And you look yeah. around, and there is no five hundred thousand dollars properties in in the area yeah. that you want to buy. Yeah. Are there any parents in New Zealand? Are they yeah. um, Are they available to help in any way? Yeah. Um, have you had the conversation with them? Have you asked whether they can support you? Yeah. So um, we'll have the awkward conversation that you should be having with your parents, yeah, with, yeah, yeah. with you behind their yeah, back. Yeah. So they have the first yeah. awkward conversation with me. Yeah. And they use me as a bit of a sounding, us as a bit of a sounding board. Yeah. And go, well, what should we really ask our parents? Yeah. Um, and we'll say, well, you've got your KiwiSaver. You've got some savings. Yeah. Um, you're going to need another 10%, 8%. Yeah. 20%. When are you going to die, mum and yeah. dad? When are you going to die and leave me everything? <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, it's not like we all have these parents. Uh, like no, I, no. I, I wish that, um, you know, that that happened in my life, and I wish that it happened in everyone's yeah. lives because it would, it would really help. But... And we're, we're probably in a unique position where we would see people, we'd probably see more people who do have parents who come to the party and assist yeah. with the deposit by by very nature that, that this is the job that we do. But yep, definitely. What, what are some of the pitfalls around that? Because there's various ways that parents can be involved with helping with the deposit. Yeah. But can you just cover off some of the pitfalls or some of the different forms that parental yeah. assistance could take? Yeah, yeah. So um, I guess... The main, the main form um, that I often see is a gift. Um, that is probably the, um, the most, the easiest way that a parent can help if they are able to do it. Yes. That could be that they've got the money or that they've raised the gift. Yes. So they've got to top up against their own house and then gifted the money. Yes. Um, a pitfall on, with that is that the parents now have um, additional loan to service. Yes. Um, which they may or may not be happy with. Yes. Yeah. Um, but the main thing is that a gift means that there are there is no strings attached, yeah, right? No like you strings. don't have to pay it back, and there's yep. no security over your home, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's nice, simple, easy. No interest payments required. Yeah. No, like you say, no additional security. Yeah. Another option is actually the parents loaning you the money. Yeah. What we call a deed of acknowledgement of debt. Right. Um, that is still acceptable to most of the banks, but um. Sometimes they'll want to know a little bit more about okay. this deed and what, because um, it could be like a simple, when the kids sell the house, they will repay X amount of money back to mum and dad. But some of the banks don't like this because, well, what happens if the kids are not yet ready to sell the house? Um, yeah. What if there actually are um, additional terms and conditions of this? Yeah. Deed. Yeah. Is there an interest rate applicable? Is there um, mm. repayments required per mm. per week per annum? Mm. And if there is, then um, 
the bank will want to factor those into the actual um, yeah. servicing again. Because yeah. now we've got a, a $50 a week um, yeah. payment back to mum and dad That's right. for the loan that they've given Which you. Which means you can borrow less from the bank. Yeah, and then the, and the bank's looking, well, we've given we've given a loan, parents have given a loan. Mm. Which, who are they, who are they, who's going to get paid back first? Correct. Bank or parents? There's Correct. a good chance parents will get paid back first because yeah. the kids love their parents and the they see their parents more often. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they still want to come to Christmas. Yeah, yeah they, you never invite the bank over for Christmas, do you? No, no, you never no. see them. And no. hey, they're just going to um, slap you on the wrist with uh, <laughs> a low equity margin. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> for Christmas. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but I guess that's the thing where where mor- mortgage advisors could really help here. I guess even if you. And I don't want to speak on behalf of all mortgage advisors in New Zealand, of course, but yeah. I know that I'd be more than happy to. You'd probably be more than happy to as well. Provide a, a template letter oh, for yeah. either a gift or a deed of acknowledgement of debt that they could use with their parents. And obviously, the parents would need to get some legal advice as well. Correct. Um, but that's kind of really important. No matter who you are, if you intend on doing that, you need to make sure that you've had that conversation, that tough, awkward conversation with the parents. Because yeah. well, there was something out a while ago. Um, some survey that asked quite a few parents whether or not they would yeah. help their kids right. with the deposit. And majority, I can't remember the, um, the actual findings, but a good portion of the um, parents surveyed yeah. did say yes if the kids asked. Interesting. So it's like sort of have that conversation. Yeah. Wow. You, nev- you never know unless you ask. Yeah. It may be a bit awkward. Yeah. Um, but if they can't help you with the gift or the deed, there's, there yeah. are other options. Okay. They could go um, co-owner um, yeah. or they could become guarantors, yeah. um, go give you a guarantee. Yeah, there's a lot of creative ways that um, you can team up with your parents. But I guess the main thing is, like, I, I don't know about you, but it, I haven't really been adding the number of changes that we've seen this year. Yeah. But yeah. there are so many changes this year in particular, but even in the preceding years, there's a lot of little minor changes around what the lending rules are, yeah. which often your parents aren't aware of, your, your lawyer isn't aware of, and you're not aware of. So yeah. it's so important to not assume that mom and dad could actually go on the loan, whatever that means, because it's not actually that simple, is it? No, definitely not. Um, yeah, like you, lending has changed a lot possibly did matter what you were wearing, how yeah. you looked. Yeah, and, and your reputation, how long you've been with the bank and who yeah, your parents are. Who Maybe you it matter. and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where they don't, yeah, that's sort of stuff. Now we've got so many different things that we need to consider. Um, and it is a bit harder in a way to, to get a loan approved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot more involved nowadays, isn't there? Definitely. Yeah. Cool. Sorry to cut it short like that. Now, in today's show, we focused our chat on some of the pitfalls to avoid when getting a loan application underway. If you have your bank on your side when you're house hunting, it can certainly reduce some of the last-minute stresses that are inevitable for most of us when we're doing this type of thing. Now, it goes without saying that buying a home isn't something that everyone can do. So if you're in a position to do it, it's important to make a really good go of it. So I'm just going to quickly ramble my way through some of the home buying traps outside of the mortgage application process. Now, remember also next week, Alex and I are going to go into this even more, but here are just a few traps just to get you started. First one, the emotional property trap. There's a certain portion of home buyers who wait until a property appears to inspire them into action. Now, this is dangerous because your, your mind is not actually in control here. Your emotions are. You're doing a good thing, but instead of having a purpose and a strategy behind you, you have a glass of wine and an encounter with a trade me listing. And emotions are great if they can be used, don't get me wrong, 
uh, especially getting used to get you started. But the danger is when you miss out on a property, you check out of the process due to disappointment. And then your ultimate property comes up and you're not prepared. Next trap, the trying to get a good deal trap. Now, the longer it takes to buy a home in a rising market, the more it ultimately costs you in the end. Don't argue with the market around price as the market is always right. If you can afford it and you're buying according to a purpose and strategy, pay what the property is worth. Next trap, the due diligence trap. The bulk of efforts first home buyers make involve investigating the heck out of property that they never actually end up purchasing. By the time they finally buy something, quite often, they've never done any research on it at all. It's crazy, right? But the dangers of this trap can be avoided by ensuring that you're willing to pay what the property is worth before doing any research at all. The Greed Trap The greed trap is triggered often when the real estate agents realize that you've fallen into the trying to get a good deal trap. It happens mostly in auction properties. If a real estate agent tries to feed the greed by implying you have a chance at winning the auction at a reasonable price, chances are you'll spin your wheels and spend your dollars on a property that's never ever been within reach. The conservatism trap. Now playing it safe is the most dangerous thing to do when purchasing property. You'll end up trying to get a good deal on a property that has issues with construction, size or location, which ultimately cost you more in repairs, renovations and upgrading. If you can, your first move should be the biggest move that you can possibly make. Okay, so that's it for today. Now, I hope that you've enjoyed this chat with mortgage advisor Alex Matheson. Next week, we'll continue on this discussion and cover off more pitfalls outside of the mortgage application process to consider. Lastly, before you go, I'd honestly struggle to find a decent reason why, especially if you're a first home buyer, that you shouldn't use a mortgage advisor. So I'm going to put a link in the notes for you to find a list of advisors that you can approach if you're making a move with property. This list is courtesy of Financial Advice New Zealand. Now, remember, all advisors work differently, so interview a couple over the phone first before you engage them. Now, I'm also going to put a link to some of the other episodes I've done in the Practical Property series. Be sure to check them out by visiting nzeverydayinvestor.com. That's it for today. Catch you next time around. Thanks for listening in to the NZ Everyday Investor Podcast, a show that's about helping you, the everyday Kiwi, build wealth. To learn more about the show, please visit nzeverydayinvestor.com or visit your show notes on your podcast player. There, you can find out how to make contact, sign up to our newsletter, and check out previous episodes. We're on a mission to increase wealth for everyday Kiwis. If you'd like to support what we do, then there's a few things that you can do. Write a review on whatever platform you're listening to this on. Share episodes with your friends or support us financially on Patreon. Before we finish up, just another reminder that what was discussed today is for educational purposes only. Ideally, before acting on anything covered here, please contact your trusted financial advisor or do your own research. Hope you enjoyed today's episode and we'll catch you next time around. 